You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We track the 757 here. We follow the athletes. We follow the local teams that that go on to, to make waves, make a name, try to establish themselves at the the highest level of their competition ability. And because of that, we followed UVA baseball for for their postseason run. We focused in on Ethan Anderson, Frank W. Cox High School product as he uh as he made his way and and aided and was all regional team, did well in the super regionals. They made it to the College World Series. Virginia baseball, the Cavaliers. Storied program, right? legendary coach, all this stuff. Made it to the the College World Series and uh, lost to Florida, lost to TCU, came home. In heartbreaking fashion, too, both one-run games. Now, obviously, that's better than getting blown out. I don't play that whole, like, I would have rather gotten beat by 10 than 1. No, you wanted wanted to be in striking distance. The only thing I will say about losing two one-run games is everyone that touched the field for UVA has a what-if that's going to sting for a while. Oh, that curveball, I just missed it. Oh, I just got a little bit of a bad jump on that gapper. And and normally the what-ifs in a game, it's very easy to say like, yeah, but that wouldn't have changed the outcome. In a one-run game, a lot of times it's like, no, literally, if you caught that ball, it would have changed the outcome. They would have not scored two runs and you would have won by one. Like it was a two-run double. It very obviously would have saved everything. And in that first game, they were up by two going into the bottom mm-hmm. of the ninth, which is always just the, those walk-offs, especially at the end of your season, just killer. And baseball, baseball, like the the celeb- where they stream out of the dugout and go get the guy, it does feel very in your face. Like, I know it's not, and I'm definitely not looking to do away with them, but they, they like it's extra rough to be – the the other team when somebody walks it off in baseball because they they kind of encroach your space a bit and in baseball like you have space right football like when they start celebrating it's like yeah but you've been tackling each other you're like personal space in football doesn't really exist in baseball it does and it feels like that's a time where they really get in your space it's crazy because i just didn't i didn't think about that till just now they still do that i mean at every level mm-hmm. of baseball i you like do it. that on every walk-off the whole team just goes mm-hmm. and rallies you have so many games and obviously a walk-off don't happen all the time but that doesn't that's not like a football where they don't celebrate a huge win unless it's a, a playoff game or, or even the Super well, Bowl just, or something like that. You're just so that. far away. Like you celebrate on your own sideline and the other team can kind of choose to not see that. It you can't really choose to not see it in baseball. So I it, like I'm saying it's stung. I'm I mean I'm not breaking news here. Like UVA fans are out there like, "Oh, I guess it does hurt." No, it hurt. Like it did. 
Um, also, it probably shows that you were good enough. Like, you could have advanced. It, that that might be a silver lining. Losing two games by one run, those easily are wins. You know what I mean? Baseball is just – it's a big sample size sport, right? If you play a seven-game series against either of those teams – Heck, they still, like against Florida and TC, you still might have been favored in the series even after dropping game one by a run. Um, it's it's just the way, I mean, with so many teams in college baseball and so many teams making the postseason, you, you can't play seven-game series for every single round. So it's 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 tough. It, it You know, they do their best job to find the best team, but, you know, you might have been better than these squads overall. It's a weird silver lining that you might depress you more, but also might make you a little bit excited or, you know, have a moment of clarity where you say, oh, yeah, yeah, we got some bad luck. Uh, when it comes to Ethan Anderson, solid. I mean, like, like solid. Uh, against Florida, which which they lost 6-5, uh, he ended up having three official at-bats, got a hit, scored a run, also walked, so... You know, got on base two out of the the four trips to the plate. In a in a five six game, you were one of the runs scored. That's that, that's pretty good. Uh, and then against TCU, again up there four times, got a hit, scored a run. There's it's kind of a kind of a really solid day. But I mean, I know if you or I don't know, but I assume if you talk to Ethan, he's going to have some of those other at bats that are more memorable to him, but. Two of seven with a walk, two runs scored. I think you're you're pretty happy with that as a just a, a baseball player. Obviously, you'd like to go four for seven with you know through seven RBI and four runs scored and two walks. But uh, but as far as representing the seven five seven, as far as being the the Hampton Roads representative uh, that that's made it the furthest in the college baseball World Series, that is a. Uh, that's a solid run, right? I, I always worry about that. Um, I was telling Robbie, I, I re, I'm reading this book about this guy named Wahoo Sam Crawford, who was the second best player uh, on the the Tigers when Ty Cobb was the best player in the world. Which so we're back at like his career started in like 1898 or something like that. And I get I'm because because you read the book, right? And you get to know him, and you become invested in people you get to know. I'm like rooting for this guy when I when they're saying, you know, they made it to the pennant. And it's like the games back then, they were on trains for 12 hours between series and right, it was just brutal and if if they uh, got spiked and their calf ripped open, they treated it with tobacco dip spit and and dirt like it was just brutal and and they make it all the way through this season he has a great season he hits like 330 he makes it to the the world series and he goes to a world series game where he's 0 for 5 and i'm like oh my goodness that's so brutal um so now every time i be after reading this book i'm seeing like the college baseball world series i'm just hoping that like the good guys don't get there the ones that like take you there don't get there and go 0 for 5 because like history remembers you differently Right, like Sam Crawford, there were full years where he was better than Ty Cobb, right? Like more home runs, more triples, better average. Like, but then he'd go 0 for 5 in a World Series game, and history would be like the Georgia Peach, Ty Cobb led the Detroit Lions. And just like, well, yeah, I fine. 
So Ethan Anderson, like we've been following him for a while. He's a Frank W. Cox guy, Hampton Roads guy. So we're following him, and we know he's a big part of the reason why UVA got this far. I just want him to make sure that he doesn't have that thing where it's like, oh, Kyle Teal got him here. Kyle Teal's a great player, right? All-American, all these sorts of things. Great catcher for UVA. But, you know, I want Anderson to get his credit because he's one of us and we always root for the people uh, from the 757 to to get it done. Like, I think that's fair. By the way, Kyle Teal in the two games, 0 for, 0 for 7. So he's kind of the Wahoo Sam Crawford in all of this. By the way, Wahoo, because he's from Wahoo, Nebraska, there's not a, like, Chief Wahoo, old Cleveland mascot or anything like that involved. Wahoo, because... uh. He's from Wahoo, Nebraska, and apparently if you're from a place that's kind of interesting sounding in 1898, they just put that before your name, and that's your name. That's your nickname. Tim, where in Hawaii did you grow up? Uh, Kaneohe, Hawaii. That's your name I would be now. I can't say it. I can't, replay, I can't like say that now, but that's your, that's your name. You ready for the, the real fun one? You know what the state fish of Hawaii is? I, I, I do, but I don't know how to pronounce it. That's the one. That is the state fish of Hawaii. I don't know how I knew Humuhumu that. Nuku nuku but, I did, but I did know that. Do you know why it's that? Why is that? They let elementary school kids vote on it. And you know what? The that ready, the, Now we're just deep into Hawaii state fish trivia. But uh, humuhumu nuku nuku apua'a usually gets people a little like intrigued. Uh, they let elementary school kids vote on which fish was going to be the state fish. And obviously if they're like, you know, the the goldfish, the trout, or the humuhumu nuku nuku apua, their elementary school kids are going to pick that one every time. Uh, the Hawaiian, Hawaiian marine biology community was very upset because the humuhumu nuku nuku apua is not only found in Hawaii. There are a bunch of fish that are only found in Hawaii, and they thought that should be one of the the state fish. You can find those in other areas of Polynesia, Australia, and the like, and they're an ugly fish also. So uh, there you go. Take that, win a bar bet with it at some point in time. I have no idea what to do with that information, but it was in my brain, so I passed it on to you. That's okay. Thank you very much. The 757 at 6 will continue with a local commitment to a local college. Coming up next. Every weeknight, giving you all you need to know about high school and college sports in the 757. It's the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Robbie Vogler, producing the show. William and Mary has a nice little thing going with their their college football team we've talked throughout the offseason about some of the hype going into the tribe season next year obviously uh i mean they're they're ranked as high as top four in some of the preseason polls or the the you know way too early preseason rankings top four is big time and a lot of that is because some of their defensive uh specifically edge rushers and defensive linemen have decided to return well, they, they added to their defensive line uh, future, right? If their present is looking solid, their future got a bit better. We'll talk about both sides right here on the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Atlantic Shores 2024 defensive end Nathaniel McDonald has committed to William & Mary. 
according to Matt Hatfield, who you hear on this station on uh, on weekends and, and at time to time uh, all over the place. Uh, according to Hatfield, McDonald had 95 total tackles last year, 47 of which came behind the line of scrimmage. That is absurd. That is 50% of his tackles coming behind the line of scrimmage. 24 of them were sacks. Over a fourth of his tackles, and he had 90. It's one thing if you have like 30 tackles and a fourth of them are sacks. When you have 95 tackles and over a fourth of them are quarterback sacks, that is absurd. Now, uh, to give you more background on uh, McDonald, he's listed at 6'4", 225, uh, obviously Chesapeake, Virginia, Atlantic Shores Christian High School, class of 2024. So he still has time in high school to mature. Put that into your perspective. He is 6'4", 225, and has more time in high school to mature. If you're anything like me in high school, you were hoping to one day in college mature to 6'4", 225. And I was only ending up 6'3", and 7'8". Never touched 225, despite all the peanut butter and jellies and protein shakes I could drink. But I also wasn't a defense fan. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good get for William & Mary. A, you and I, 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 I don't even want to say I, I think this too much. But I think it is wildly important to keep your town, area, region, hotbed, recruiting pipelines engaged. Right? I would take, I mean, if, if I were William & Mary or ODU or Virginia Tech or UVA or Richmond or James Madison, if I were any school in the, heck, if I were North Carolina, Duke, if I were Maryland, if I were any of the schools in our region, I would make it a a rule that I'm going to take two players from the 757 every year, minimum, right? And now, if there are eight that are worthy and they all commit, I'm not going to turn them away. But it's like, regardless, we need two players from the area because I think that helps, right? It is very much a recruiting tool to say, look at this guy who who is from – 25 minutes from you, 40 minutes from you, that went to the high school you played against, that went to a high school you beat in the state championship. Like, look at this school. He went here and is having a lot of success, and he can host you on your official visit, right? He can tell you, oh, yeah, I'm able to get home during the offseason a decent amount to see my parents, but my parents are always telling me to get back here because I need to work out. Like, you need to have those conversations, so Nathaniel McDonald being from Hampton Roads and going to William & Mary, obviously you want him to be a good player. And by the stats that that Hatfield is, is passing along, is a good player. Obviously you want him to be at a position of need. Edge rusher, always a position of need. Obviously you want him to have the the tangibles and the, the size, the speed. Like all those things, yes. But also you want to keep kids in Chesapeake thinking William & Mary is the cool place to go. The part of the reason why I went to the University of Delaware is because we had a family friend that was two years older than me that was on the, the Delaware football team that I was able to ask like honest questions about. And he would say like, yeah, this, no, that, yes, no. Like those real things happened. 
So if Nathaniel McDonald can be that for someone in the future from Chesapeake or someone in the future from Hampton or someone in the future from any place in the 757, that's massive. I would make it a priority to keep those pipelines open and and flowing. And then on top of that, like I said earlier, part of the reason why there's such optimism for William & Mary this year is because a, a couple of their defensive linemen, edge rushers, uh, right, pass rushers especially, decided that they were going to stick around. John Pius and Nate Lynn amongst them. right Between those two guys, you're looking at about 20 sacks from a season ago. 23 quarterback hits. Four, first, four forced fumbles. Right, the, the, like, if you turn those in, and now you get into the part of the conversation that everybody rolls their eyes at. If you turn in those kinds of numbers at an FCS school, if your dream was to play FBS football, your dream has been realized. Right, put your name in the portal, bounce on up. Why? For the same reasons I'm talking about. William and Mary always needing edge rushers. Power Five football always needs edge rushers. FBS football always needs edge rushers. Also. So if if you turn in a double digit sack, whole but like you know, they both were I mean, nineteen tackles for a loss for Pius. Like if you turn that in at the FCS level, especially in a, in a league like the CAA, which William and Mary plays in, you're gonna have options. Choosing to go back to William and Mary is a massive feather in the cap for William and Mary because it says they think they can reach all of their lofty goals, right? Get NFL chances, all those sorts of things from William and Mary. It also means they're having fun. It also means they're valuing the relationships and trust the coaches to continue their development. Does it sound like a recruiting pitch? Because it kind of is. If you think they haven't told that to Nathaniel McDonald in order to get him to commit, then they're, you're crazy. Because of course they did. right? Look at these two guys. When I, when I did visit Delaware, guess what film we watched? Joe Flacco, right? They're not dumb. They're not going to bring up the guys that aren't good and say, oh, let's watch this guy. No. Oh, okay, let's bring up a random game. Let's grab uh, 07 National Championship. Okay, yeah, Flacco, let's watch. Right? Like, of course those things are going to happen. So I'm looking at the defensive line for William & Mary, and I'm going, this could end up being a thing, right? This could end up being a, a conveyor belt. Two guys get on. They get it going fast. Okay, everyone sees them running fast. A couple more jump on. Boom. Okay, now recruits are jumping on. Now they're saying, hey, they look like they're moving fast. Yes, they are. Chesapeake native, get on in here. Now somebody else from Chesapeake, one of the hotbeds, is is watching going, oh, that looks like fun. All right, and now, now it's cruising. Right? The, 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 I don't know. The way I always think about recruiting in college sports is I want my I want to recruit so well that I I almost get to stop recruiting. Right? I want to recruit like do you think Alabama has to work as hard as other teams to get five stars? No. There's quite a few five stars I'm sure that are knocking their door down. Right? Like I want to recruit so well that I don't have to recruit. Right? For a while there if you were a quarterback and you ran a 4-4 you were going to Virginia Tech, right? Like Tyrod Taylor was one of the top recruits in the country. You went to Virginia Tech. Why? Well, because Michael Vick was there and then Marcus Vick was there and Brian Randall was there. And it was like, okay, yeah, that's – and Brian Randall wasn't the type of runner. He was more of a drop-back passer. But still, like 
You knew that running quarterbacks had success there. LSU, if you're a great wide receiver, you went there. Why? Well, because Odell Beckham Jr. went there and Justin Jefferson went there and uh, Jarvis Landry went there and uh, uh, Jamar Chase went there and like on and on and on and on. And now it's kind of happening at LSU, but I'm sorry, at LSU and Alabama, mostly happening at Ohio State. Ohio State is just cranking out five-star commits at wide receiver. It's unbelievable. It's because Brian Hartline, who's now their offensive coordinator, is seen as a wide receiver whisperer. He'll turn you into a first-round pick. And, you know, if, you, if you're William & Mary and you're like, hey, we turn edge rushers into top producers that have options, you're going you're gonna to get a lot of commitment from edge rushers. That's why uh, the stupid hashtags like uh, uh, RBU are always tweeting are always trending, wide receiver U, QBU. Schools love that because they want to be the one school where that position is like, I go there and I get developed. So credit to William & Mary. I'm uh, excited to see what they do next year in every game except for the one against Delaware. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of the 757 at 6 right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Don't go anywhere. All over Hampton Roads. For the best in local high school and college sports talk, it's the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I want to talk about some uh, some honors of the Phil Steele variety going to the ODU uh, football team. But first... I was double-checking the Virginian pilot page just to make sure there was no breaking news. Shout-out to all the guys over there that uh, and ladies that that uh, cover local sports. Did you see what what went on with the the uh, fishing tournament? The no. Big Rock Landing, Big Rock Blue Marlin tournament? There was a fish that was caught that was in line to, to, to win worth $3.5 million. Fish was... 619.4 pounds. They decided that a shark had gotten to it and it was too mutilated, so it didn't it was disqualified. I thought you were about to be like it was it was caught with with weights in its belly. I, I saw disqualification and my your brain goes right. There was that thing that, that happened in like real fishing tournaments. Yeah, it's right? like like a couple years ago. Um no, they said a shark mutilated it. Which I'm guessing means like you didn't have to like reel it in as hard because he was hurt or something like that. But I mean, 600 something pounds is still 600 something pounds. They had a 619.4 pound fish that was going to win them 3.5 million dollars disqualified. They had to bring in like the marine biologist to decide what happened and do the investigation. Goodness gracious. That's a that's a that's a tough tough one to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow on that one. Can you imagine going through all that work of reeling that fish in just to get to the well, end? Maybe line? it wasn't that hard. Maybe the fish was you're just cranking that bad boy in because uh, it was mutilated by a shark. How big was the shark to go after the 619 pound fish? Big big bait, big fish, right? That's that thing's got to be a monster. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to some ODU football. That just, you know, when, when something drops your jaw, you got to pass it along, when, right? That's the beauty of radio. Um, 
Linebacker, Jason Henderson, obvious. Punter, Ethan Dwayne, also obvious. Uh, f- preseason first team all Sunbelt selections by Phil Steele. First of all, let's establish the importance of Phil Steele. Phil Steele, for as long as I think I've been alive, definitely as long as I can remember, has put out college football preseason uh, uh, college football preseason magazines. And I love that he still does the magazine. Back in the day, you used to wait for the release day. It would, you know, go to like the magazine aisle at the 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 grocery store, and man, I would rip through that whole thing. Just read the every conference ranked position groups for every conference ranked coaches interviews with every team. It was awesome. Uh, it was like you know a, I don't know, big record release for music fans for college football fans. The Phil Steele thing was always huge. I remember for the very first time, the back like seven pages were always listing the top recruits for the next year. And they'd list like a hundred quarterbacks, a hundred. I remember the first time my older, my oldest cousin was uh, in the back of Phil Steele. It was, it was incredible. Literally all it said was his name in the world's smallest fine print. Cause they had to fit all the recruits onto like five pages. And it was so cool. Um, so anyway, Phil Steele, like he's, he's got a track record. He knows what he's talking about. Jason Anderson, Ethan Dwayne, first team, all Sunbelt selections, uh, teammates, Javon Harvey, Terry Jones, and LaMarion James were named third team. I think we've said everything we could say about Jason Anderson. I'm sure we'll find new things to say at times, uh, over the off season, but the guy's really good. He led the nation in tackles by a wide margin, wide margin last year. Uh, had a chance to go after the all-time single-season record, but he got hurt at the end of the year. So, yeah, I think him being first-team All-Sun Belt makes sense. Ethan Dwayne, the punter, at times last year really saved them when the offense was struggling. Makes sense. Javon Harvey is a wide receiver. Third team is interesting. Um. Obviously, they lost transfer portal stuff. Uh, obviously, they brought in a offensive coordinator in Kevin Decker that is going to sling that thing around, right? He is going to toss the rock. Somebody is going to have to catch it, and it appears as if Phil Steele expects that to be Javon Harvey. Not only did they lose some uh, transfer portal, also some like Zach Koontz turning pro, that also are targets intended that are going to have to go around somewhere. Uh, Terry Jones, a safety. Marion James, kick returner slash uh, corner. But those are two guys, I mean, good positions to have up there. Obviously, you'd like to have quarterback. But wide receiver, uh, safety, corner, kick returner, these are positions that if they make big plays, sway the entirety of the game. If you're looking to bounce back from a three-win season and maybe pull off some upsets against the likes of Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, some of the better teams in conference, you're right. A kick return changes everything. A wide receiver can change everything on one catch, and, and obviously a safety can can get his hands on the ball. So I like it. I like it. I trust Phil Steele, and I like it. And then Jason Anderson and Ethan Dwayne are just, you know, they're they're really good. I don't know what you want me to say. That's just, I didn't need Phil Steele to tell me that. Uh, um, that's going to about do it for me here on the 757 at 6. But first, a personal favor. Please follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio 941. Follow us on Instagram at Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And all of our social media is brought to you by Dominion Floor 
covering. Robbie is going to close out the show next with Robbie's Roundout. So stick around for that. Uh, The Tim Donnelly Show begins tomorrow at 3. And again, as I said earlier, it is a Winners and Losers Tuesday tomorrow. So feel free to get a jump start. Start brainstorming now. If you come up with a good one, send it in on the text line when it comes to who you think is winning and who you think is losing in the sports world. The phone number is 757-687-9494. The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundup. Oh, wait a minute. It's Robbie's Round About or Robbie's Roundout. Whatever he's calling it today, here's Robbie Vogler on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's right. This is the 757 at 6. Robbie's Roundout is what we are calling it today. Just like we do every single weekday that we have a, a full show or we have a show at all. We'd love to round things out with Robbie's Roundout. We hope you are having a wonderful start to your week. And we hope you all had a, a wonderful Father's Day weekend. I'll tell you this, mine was eventful. My my, my whole thing, it, it was crazy because you look at the whole, you really look at the, the large scheme. And I, I went golfing with my with my father on on Saturday. And I'm not sure if he wants me telling this story on the air, but I'm going to tell it anyway because I like to be transparent with my listeners. And it's obviously a story that's that's unique and not a lot of people know. And none of you out there know my father, so the odds of you seeing my father anytime soon are very, very rare. Anyway, we were we were playing golf. He was shooting the round of his life. I'm talking. He was just striping fairways, hitting greens, sinking putts. I mean, everything was going right. We're we're about hour hour and a half into the round. He goes to to place his ball on the tee, and he just he just falls over, and so. Of course, I'm I'm freaking out right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the day before Father's Day. I took my dad out golfing, and I killed my dad. Thank goodness he was okay. He came to right away. Had no doubt in my mind that he was okay. Obviously, he's been sore for the past couple of days, but he's doing okay. I, I needed to share that because it was just such a unique story that I, I never had to, to do something like that before. My entire family is, is medical staff. So my, my parents are both nurses. My wife is a nurse. My sister-in-law is a PTA. So like I am surrounded by people in the medical field. I am the furthest thing away from somebody in the medical field other than who I am related to and who I married into. That being said, I think I handled the situation as well as I could have, and my father is fine. He's doing good. He's a little sore, as you could expect from anybody that just fainted or passed out on a golf course. You're probably going to be sore. He is sore, but he's fine. I wanted to put that out there. He's good, and got to see him yesterday. It was a good Father's Day. Hope you and yours had a great Father's Day as well, obviously, Father's Day has different meetings, meanings to everybody, especially around this time. Uh, 
sometimes it's 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 much sadder or it's much more sad for for others than it is for others and and we hope you however you spent your father's day hopefully it was either a good one or you were able to remember the great times with your father that moving on i had to get that story out of the way i've been holding that in all weekend obviously i've told some people but I, I was holding that story and i was like i have to share this on the air i'm i'm in the radio business and that's that story has to do with a local golf course it's it's 757 we were golfing in the 757 and father's day it's all relevant so it all kind of gets together that being said Josh Sweat, an Oscar Smith native, somebody that uh, we've obviously covered. We we saw him at the Super Bowl. We got to talk to him, interview him a little bit at the Super Bowl. Is hosting a very cool event this coming weekend. He's hosting a combine for high school athletes. He is he is uh, it, the official event is called Josh Sweat Under the Lights Combine. It's going to be free and open to boys and girls grades 6 to 12. It will be at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And it's going to be his first time in the 757 hosting an event. Now talk about just being cool. This is somebody that has worked his butt off his entire life. Went to Oscar Smith, was one of the top recruits in the country, hurt himself, had to kind of work his way back up. Florida State did all his things, and now is a pro bowler in the NFL. And this Saturday, he's hosting a very cool event where you can go, you can interact with him, and you can also compete or, you know, participate in combine style events. They're going to have a 40-yard dash. They're actually going to have a laser time 40-yard dash, so none of this hand time stuff. They're going to have a 5-10-5 shuttle drill, a vertical drop, a broad jump. And then afterwards, and now this is where I, I loved it, because he talked to the Virginia pilot about it, talked to uh, our, our guys over at the pilot, and... He said he didn't want this to be all, 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 all seriousness the entire time. He said, I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about coming home, putting on this event. I want it to obviously be, be useful to those that want it to be useful. But he also said, I wanted to, it to not, not all just be serious business. So he's having a dodgeball tournament after the combine. <laughs> now that's cool. A combo or a dodgeball tournament under the lights at the sportsplex. Man, this guy is just doing all the right things, and it's very cool that that. And that's what I love. I love, and we talk about it all the time right here on the seven five seven at six about athletes giving back to their community. I am one of the the biggest examples that I have known. Personally, and somebody that I that I have a pretty good connection with, Grant Holloway, obviously is from this area, does a lot of charitable work in this area, but also does a lot of charitable work where he went to college down in Gainesville um, at the University of Florida. And to, to hear and, and to see what these athletes are doing 
and to see what the guys and gals are doing in their local communities, kind of giving back and letting the the community have a chance to get to meet somebody that that went to a Super Bowl this past year and kind of giving back to their community and giving the opportunities that that these kids will probably remember for the rest of their lives. He is having boys and girls from from 6th grade to 12th grade out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure there's going to be some food, some some excitement and things of that nature. And I just think it's going to be a blast. And it's funny because it says the Josh Sweat Under the Lights Combine slash dodgeball tournament. And I love that the dodgeball tournament kind of is bigger than the combine because I know how much, and it just came across in the in the conversation that I read, just how much he, he wanted it to, to be a fun event as well. And he did put a lot of thought into the event and, and, and giving back to the 757, and especially this being his first event that he has ever done in the community since going pro. I think it's going to be, it's going to exceed all expectations and this will also, I'm sure, set up things for for the future. But a very cool gesture by by Josh Sweat, by you know somebody that that loves this area, that 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 reps the seven 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 five seven through and through. So uh, a big shout out to Josh Sweat. Hopefully his event. If you're in the area, head on over to to the uh, the 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 combine. Under the lights combine that's coming up, and it should be a lot of fun, and, and you should go. It should be a lot of fun to, to see who's going to be out there and, and have a good time. That's going to wrap things up for the 757 at 6. Don't worry. Don't worry. Tomorrow we'll be talking about the Tides. A big week coming up for the Tides. They are on the road, I believe, in Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. They're in Nashville. A big weekend for the Norfolk Tides. They got to get two wins, and they are the first half champions. That's it. Just two. Can they do it? We'll find out. For Tim Donnelly, I'm Robbie Vogler saying so long. Have a great rest of your night. We will talk to you tomorrow. Tim Donnelly's show starts at 3, 7, 5, 7, and 6 after. Until then, later. Ryan Radke with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. Chief.